and uh, in the midst of all of these uh, <coughs> overwhelming uh, circumstances, God is doing great and mighty things and miracles. And so uh, <coughs> just a, a, a privilege to uh, <coughs> be alive in this hour and to feel uh, the touch and presence of Almighty God. And I know <coughs> that we are... Um, uh, what is it what we say around here? Growing, growing. apostolic growing. legacy, growing, and uh, we are. And we've had uh, <coughs> we had a young man receive the Holy Ghost last week, uh, week before last in uh, uh, senior high camp. And uh, we've had the Lord pouring out the Holy Ghost, and we have uh, a great legacy, and we have a great history here of being revival-minded and evangelistic-minded, and I'm excited. I see a lot of our young folks and how God is, is developing them and using them and, and using them for the kingdom, and I know uh, that God will continue to do that, and what, a, what an exciting part to play in the history of what's going on. A great legacy, as I, as I mentioned, that we have with people that uh, were uh, great soul winners, great leaders, and uh, great evangelists and missionaries that came out of this church. And we, I don't believe that history is over. So I, I, I talked last week about the Feast of uh, Tabernacles, and I, uh, all of that's been on my mind, and I was reading and studying, and so this week, of course, I, <clears throat> we were doing some work uh, on, on July 4th and trying to catch up on some things and trying to go through stuff and get out stuff and get rid of stuff and, you know, doing sort of uh, summer cleaning, spring cleaning in the summer, whatever. And I had um, just, uh, we came in and my mom uh, and dad were there and she said, uh, let's listen to uh, what Trump has to say. And so we turned on the uh, news and we listened uh, to his July 4th speech. And whether you liked it, you like him, you don't like him, don't, whatever, uh, he went through uh, a bit of history and he talked about the history of, of America and things that America has done and sort of reminded us and of uh, events that America has been famous for. And I, I listened and I was uh, sitting there and of course saw the, the variety of airplanes and all that came. And then one of the last songs that the, the band played, they had been playing uh, all kinds of music. And one of the last songs that they played was the Battle Hymn of the Republic. And I don't know if you remember that, but what was amazing about that was I thought, I wonder if they'll sing the third verse. They had a military group that sang the third verse, and this was right before the Blue Angels came and whatever, and they sang it. Uh, and, it, you know, it's in the beauty of the lilies or something, Christ was born across the sea and uh, he transfigured you and me and as he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free and what, just a, 
<clears throat> kind of a, a powerful moment. And I thought, you know, given the political climate, will he do that? And yet he was establishing, uh, in one sense, uh, a memorial. Uh, and that's what and you read in the Old Testament about memorial stones. And I'm going to preach about some memorial stones, but they were to remind us. And when you study <coughs> actually uh, some uh, of the feast and so forth, you will find that that was the purpose of some of the feast, were to remind us, to remember, to inspire us to think back. And they would tell you that I think it's an important thing if you are a parent and you have young children especially, even if your children are older, that you remind them of what God's done for you and how God's brought you out and the miracles that God has performed in your life. Why? Because unfortunately it's easy to forget all of the good things and focus on all of the bad. You know, our eyes are drawn to the bad. You get one little spot on your dress or coat or whatever, you see it, it looks bigger than ever. Oh, I can't wear that, that's terrible. It's got one little spot on it. And yet, 99.9% .9 of the garment has no spots. But I can't handle that one little time, you know, it's just our nature. We focus on the bad. And yet, that's what so many of these feasts were about. In the memorial stones, and I will read this verse, a series of verses again later, but were found in Joshua the fourth chapter where he spake to the children of Israel saying, when your children ask their fathers in time, come saying, what means these stones? And there was a book that was written, Pentecostal Publishing House put it out a few years ago, I think in 11, that was what means these stones and it talks about miracles that God has done. And it took it, the title from this phrase in the, in the word. Uh, so then ye shall let your children know saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land for your Lord God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over as the Lord your God did into the Red Sea when he dried up from before us until we were gone over that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord that it is mighty, mighty that you might fear the Lord your God forever. That you might know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. That's what it's all about. And I know we may not, you may not have liked whatever the, what the president did, but the show of whether it was tanks or planes was to say, look, America, we are mighty. Don't mess with us. Don't attack us. Now, I'm not saying that was the right move politically, but God said we're supposed to do that to our children, is to remember what God has done. Now, as I said, all of these feasts were, were in one sense, 
designed to be memorials. And we talked about, I put this slide up last week actually, when we were talking about the Feast of Tabernacles, the Passover feast, there were three of them, were found in the first month. And actually, uh, I put the 14th day was when you celebrated Passover. If you want to get real technical, on the 10th day of the first month, they would take the lamb and put it apart so to make sure that it was perfect whenever the 14th day would come to kill it. They didn't want it to be sick or whatever. And so they would separate the lamb and then Passover was done on the 14th day. The blood was shed. Then the 15th to the 21st day were the unleavened bread. And then the 18th day in the midst of that was the feast of first fruits. And then you have the Pentecost and that was really you counted and it was meaning count for 50 days from Passover. It was the celebration of the giving of the law, the celebration of the day of Pentecost, the pouring out of the spirit. And then there was the feast of tabernacles where on the feast of tabernacles was in the seventh month. Pentecost was in the third month and it was started started off with the blowing of trumpets to call a solemn assembly and then on the 10th day was the day of atonement and then on the 15th day through the 21st day was actually the feast of tabernacles and it was sort of the culmination or consummation of the whole year, the pouring out of water, the pouring, uh, lighting of candles in the, in the temple and that whole sense of what was going on. You can read all about that. I mentioned the tabernacles last week. But all of these feasts were somehow uh, to prove what God's plan was and to use as a type and shadow of the things to come. You see, the feast of Passover was celebrated in Egypt in captivity. Pentecost was in the wilderness and then tabernacles was supposed to be celebrated in the promised land. And they rejected tabernacles because they went to Kadesh Barnea, spied out the land. It was the fruit harvest which is they saw all the grapes and all the things and that's what tabernacles was supposed to be. The fruit harvest, you have the wheat and barley harvest and then the next harvest, Pentecost and then you have that very sense of the fruit harvest being the last one and it was supposed to be done in the promised land but of unbelief they left and they did not celebrate. They saw the fruit, they brought the fruit back but they didn't fit celebrate ta tabernacles then. They wandered for 40 years and we talked about how that we've now been 40 times 50, 2,000 years since Pentecost and so here we are at living at about 2019 and Pentecost was probably around 33 so we're in the midst of the wrapping up of all of this stuff and yet as I said all of these feasts were a schoolmaster, according to the Bible, to bring us to Christ, to help us better understand. The Bible says, Paul said it's a schoolmaster. In one place he said, it is as an example that we should have. And all the Old Testament battles were for examples and they were for something that for us to remember. And when you read this story about memorial stones, how 
they crossed over the Jordan River during flood stage and it was impossible, it wasn't natural, and it was miraculous, and they had put the Ark of Covenant on the priest, and we'll talk about some of that. But the water rolls back and then they go into the water and then they were to take some stones from the wilderness and put them in the water and then stones from where the river was and bring them and take them out of the water. And we'll talk a little bit more in detail about that. But then there was the whole sense of the law had talked about redemption. And that was another major issue was being redeemed and giving the first fruits and giving the first animal had to be redeemed. And, and the Bible goes through a whole prescription of all that. You can read in Leviticus of all the redemption. And I know I got to reading in the first of Joshua and I, I found a, a passage that I, I was not even familiar with and I'm not preaching on it today because it's uh, about money and giving and I, I, but I had never seen the connection to it uh, but it's found uh, actually uh, in, in the book of Joshua. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I think there it is, uh, the slide. There it is. It's, it's the offering of our increase. You see, the, if you remember the first battle that they fought in, the, in the Canaan's land was the conquering of what city? Jericho. And the Lord said that in, when you defeat Jericho, all of that stuff that will be there belongs to me. It's the first battle. It's the first fruits. It's the first. And he said, that is mine. You give me first. You know, it'd be like, the example is, you know, if I had 10 gold coins and I went 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, which one belongs to God? Not number 10, not number 8, not number 7, but number 1. One of them belongs to God and it's supposed to be the first one. That's what tithing is. And I know we've already taken tithing. I'm not taking another offering. Don't panic. <laughs> but it's an offering of first fruits. And that's why the first battle that was fought, he said, all of it belongs to me. The gold, the silver that's there, you bring to the temple. The rest of it, you burn, you destroy, you leave it. And you remember what one man did. Achan, and Achan took the garments and the, the wedge of silver and, and he hid them. He took what belonged to God. And there's all kind of verses, you know, whatever. You can read about that. He took what was God's and thought he had the authority to appropriate it unto himself. And you remember, it's like the Lord, and I read it, in the seventh chapter, what caught my eye that I had never seen before was when you read in the seventh chapter and, and the Lord says, okay, call Joshua. They went to Ai and were defeated in all the history. But he tells Joshua, call everybody up. And so it's like, okay, everybody, somebody has violated by taking the first fruit that belonged to God. Nobody said anything. So then he goes, Asher, Naphtali, whatever. He gets to the tribe where Achan is in. And he goes, somebody in this tribe. And still Achan doesn't say anything. And then he 
has all the family members of that tribe and says, okay, I got the Hancocks, I got the this, I got the that, I, you know, whatever. Whites, I got Britons, I go through all the tribes. And then he goes, aha, I got the Aiken tribe. <laughs> family. And so now he then goes through, boom, 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 all those family members. And he comes to Achan and he said, it's you, buddy. Achan doesn't confess. And here's what Joshua says to him. Achan, my son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession unto him. Give him glory. That's a strange thing to ask when you've sinned. But what he was telling him was you need to honor God. The problem is you're not honoring God. And Achan's response was not, oh God, oh I'm sorry, I, God I've done wrong, I honor you, you are the Lord God. He wouldn't repent. He said, yep, I've done such and such and such. It blew my mind. I'd never seen the attitude. He said, indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. He just basically confessed, but he wasn't repentant. He didn't say, I'm sorry. And so what does that tell me? That it doesn't matter even in the Old Testament and the law if a person will just simply come and say, God, I need you. I've done wrong. I have done whatever it is. Even if I've disobeyed God, if I will bring glory. He said, I pray thee glory to God. Give thee glory to the God of Israel and make confession. If you will praise God and give glory and honor to God, God, God is able to forgive and he's willing to do what he can but when a person just reaches a point where yep I did it and that's the way it is and that had to do with first fruits and yet we know in Malachi where it says you know bring all the tithes to the storehouse and, and you know I will then curse the devourer what are you saying there's just something about having God on your side financially time wise everything else that's why we try to give a little time to God be in the house of the Lord give a little time to God read the word give a little you know of our finances to God you know why because every time I walk by and I put something in the box or whether I give it and whenever the plate is passed however I do it I am in fact saying this is a memorial God God, I know what you've done for me. I realize how you've set me free. I realize what you've done. How can I not be willing to give back of my substance to you? You are a great God. You're a good God. You're a magnificent God. I want to give you back what's yours. And I know that we know that. And all of you are good and give and everybody wonderful. I, I'm just saying that all of those things I had never really seen. But now, as, as you look, <clears throat> that I had not seen how Achan really had stolen, if you would, what was God's. And yet, <clears throat> that's what the Lord told Malachi, they have robbed me. He takes that stuff personal. I don't, why? Because it's like, that's mine. Yeah. 
That's all it is. I, that's mine. And when, you know, when you start thinking it's yours, then you're going to have to be the one to fight for it. And, and you put it in a bag with holes. You know? And, and I've seen folks and they wonder, how come I can't get ahead? And why is it always happening to me? Because I don't honor God. And I, I'm just, that's the way it is. But here they came to the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, right before the feast of Passover the day that you would separate the lamb. And God told them why he wanted them to have victory. It's an amazing set of verses. I'm talking about the memorial stones now. The Lord said, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, Joshua the third chapter, started about verse three, go through verse 10. And the priests of the Levites bearing it, then you shall move, remove from your place and go after it. You have not passed this way heretofore. Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the, house, in the sight of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you. He said, just read it. He said, the ark represented the presence of God, pillar of fire, the cloud. It represented where God sat, the mercy seat. We know all of that. Furniture in the tabernacle. And he said, you're going to have to follow after the presence of God. Well, God's supposed to follow me. God's my co-pilot. Uh-uh. God's got to be the pilot of your life. <laughs> That's why every day, whether you're school, whether you're on a job, Lord, bless me, give me wisdom. Is this where you want me to be? Open the door. Why? Why do you pray like that every day? Because God is my pilot, not my co-pilot. I'm not following, you know, I'm not following my desire. I'm supposed to be following his desires. I'm not supposed to be doing my will. I'm supposed to be doing his will. And it's amazing how that frees you up. Mentally, emotionally. I've told young folks, you know what? If, it, if you're doing your best, you're studying, you're working, and you don't pass a grade, you don't pass a test, you know, say, okay, Lord, what, which way do you want me to go? If you're doing your best, you're working, you're not blowing it off, and the job dries up, say, okay, Lord. Right. It's not on my shoulders. Who's it on? I'm following him. I'm getting up every day. I'm seeking the Lord's will. It's not my will. He said, wherever the ark goes, and you say, but that takes faith. That's what they, he said. He said, the ark of the covenant's gonna come marching right through the tent, right through the tabernacle, right through the place, and I want you to follow it wherever it goes. And so then they sanctified themselves, they washed, and then it was, he said, the reason I'm doing this is so that God will be magnified. And I want you to understand, and I, I know, I, I'm not, 
I, I'm not thankful for it, but I know what we are going to see more and more and more as we get nearer and nearer the coming of the Lord with all the emotions and all the pressure and all the stuff and all the anger and all the vitriol that the Prince of Peace and the church is going to be magnified more and more. By this you'll be known as my disciples, by your love. What are you talking about? There's just something about you that's different. There's something about you where what do you mean? Because you have peace in the midst of a storm. You have a, a, a power about you that nobody else has. What are you saying? You're going, you know, why, why doesn't God immediately heal us from all these things? Sometimes I believe that it's, he wants us to walk through the valley so that it's a testimony to somebody else of how God is able to keep you, whether you're at a death sentence, whether you're going through it, whether you got whatever, it's that my God is still able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything. And it becomes a testimony. And who knows? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know why you, you know, I don't know why you have a stroke. I don't know why things happen. But maybe it's because some doctor needs to see a miracle. You say, well, that God would never. I want to tell you something. God knows how many hair you got. He's that kind of a micromanager. So don't think for a moment that God is all of a sudden doesn't know what's going on in your life. He said, I want you to follow, not because I'm sending the power, my power to you so that it will magnify me among everybody else. The people will look and go, wow, there was something about them. Amen. He will never leave us nor forsake us. In fact, he said, I want you to have complete and total deliverance and overcome have the victory and overcoming victory over all the enemies. What, what are you saying? Does that mean you're not going to fight? No, you're going to have battles. Does that mean you're not? No, but I am going to hang on to a victorious spirit. That's why Revelation, you read it in the third, second chapter, in the third chapter, and it says, to him that overcometh, to him that overcometh to him that overcome what are you saying I'm saying it didn't say to him that never had a problem to him that never went through anything to him that never had to deal with anything it said to him that overcame it whether it's by the blood by the word of might what do you mean oh in this hour what an exciting time because you know what I, I, I can have something that gets in my body but it's not going to get in my spirit I can have somebody that does something that hurts my body but I'm not going to let it in my spirit I can have some disease that attacks the body but I'm not letting it in my spirit why what's the difference I'm not letting it in my what do you mean does that mean you'll never have a problem no does that mean that you won't get angry no I, they can say something here but I got to say, Lord, I want to build a wall around my spirit. I don't want those spirits to get a hold of me. I want to be an overcomer. That's why he said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Say, so, well, I can't handle it. I can't take it. I can't do it. Well, I'm telling you, that's the whole purpose of God having a church in this last hour is that they'll be able to say, Okay, you can be an overcomer. So the fourth chapter, Joshua calls 12 men. 
whom he had prepared of the children of Israel. He calls them. Out of every tribe, take a man. And he calls these 12 men, representing the 12 tribes, representing the entire nation of Israel. And he said, take every man upon you a stone on your shoulder. Now, I don't know. Maybe they had Hollywood fake stones. But my guess, that was a pretty heavy burden. I can't imagine. I, I don't know how much they weighed. 20 pounds, 50 pounds, 75 pounds, 100 pounds. But put it on your shoulder. I don't think it was just a little pebble. It was supposed to be a stone. They were building an altar. And so they went out into the wilderness. They took those stones. And when the priest walked into the water, they put those stones from the wilderness. And then he said, they took new stones out of the water or where the water had been in the river of Jordan. They put those on their shoulders and they walked to Gilgal, a city that later Samuel would be anointed as prophet and Saul would be anointed as king and so they went to this city in Gilgal. Now each of the 12 men represented an entire tribe and together they represented their entire nation. Pick up a rock, carried it out of the wilderness, placed them in the middle of the Jordan River, then picked up a rock in the Jordan River, carried them to Gilgal and built an altar. I want to tell you something. The church is here to represent this community, to represent your family. There are some of you that may be the only family member that's living for God, and you go, I don't understand. Oh, I, I, you got a burden to carry. When somebody comes in, you go, my, my children, my husband, my wife, my family, being attacked, put a rock on your shoulder and say, well, oh, I don't feel like I can carry that. Well, the point is we are building a memorial to Almighty God that God is mighty, God is able, God can do anything. In fact, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I would much rather have a place where I can carry somebody's name into the presence of God than to have no place at all to go with it, than to trust in everybody else. I'm thankful for the body, for the church, that's why you saw some of these mothers come up here and say, pray for me. Pray for my children. Brody, what are you doing? I'm bringing a memorial before God. I'm still believing God is able. God is mighty. God is powerful. Say, so, well, I haven't seen the miracle. He said, well, this is to be a memorial to what God is able to do. And I, I, I realize that when you, and I've, I've, I've preached about this before, that when you look at the first stones that were from the wilderness and that were placed in the Jordan River, and then the 12 stones that were from the Jordan and were placed in Gilgal, the word Gilgal means rolled away. You just hit blueletterbible.com, hit the Hebrew meaning, bam, rolled away. 
So he said, you bring stones from the wilderness into the water, and then where the water was and dries up, stones from the water into Gilgal. And you've heard me say it. Jesus passed through the waters of baptism in the Jordan River. And why did he do that? He did it for one reason. So that he could bring his righteousness into the water and leave it there. And so that when we come into the water in the name of the Lord Jesus, we lay our stones from the wilderness down and drop them into where the water was and then we pick up stones of his righteousness. It's not my righteousness. That's why we talk about getting buried in the name. I'm so glad that I was buried in the name of the Lord. Why? Because all of a sudden Jesus, when John looked at him and he said, John said, listen, I'm not worthy to baptize you. Jesus said it like this. I have need to baptize thee and comest out of me and Jesus answered him and said allow it suffer it to be so for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness what righteousness was that my righteousness 2,000 years later I'm able to walk from the wilderness through the waters of baptism all the way out into the righteousness of almighty God what a privilege that I have passed through the waters and I picked up some new righteousness. It's not my righteousness, but it's his righteousness. Why? It's a memorial. And so when the devil comes at you and says, listen, buddy, you've done this and this and this and you've done wrong and you, you go, you're right. But one day I was buried in the name of the Lord. And all I have to do is say, Lord, in Jesus' name, forgive me. And there is a memorial stone that one day I passed through the water and I dropped all my stuff. Oh, I know I've tried to pick up stuff later, but I'm so glad I, I don't have to be rebaptized every day, but every day in the name of Jesus, I'm able to let myself be passed through the waters again and the cleansing and not take off my righteousness which is like filthy rags and put on his righteousness. Say, so, well, I don't know if I can do that. That's why he said, teach this to your children. Why, whenever they feel bad, you can say, let me tell you how to get, cure that. Remember what God did for you. Remember how clean you felt the night you got baptized. You can feel that way again right now. Bam, just like that. Why? That's a memorial stone that was put in the water and taken out of the water. And so here he said, and the Bible says that he then he suffered him. In other words, John did it. He baptized him. So here we have in Joshua the fourth chapter and the 21st verse. Here's why he built these memorial stones. Then he spake unto the children of Israel saying, when your children shall ask their fathers, I read this earlier, in time to come say, what mean these stones? What meaneth this? What do these stones mean? You shall let your children know, saying, the Lord God came over, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. 
For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan from before you until you were passed over, as the Lord your God did the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we were gone over, that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you might fear the Lord forever. What are you saying? Those stones represented the mercy of God and the grace of God. He had dried up the Jordan River. He had done the supernatural for them. It was, the Jordan was at flood stage. They shouldn't have been able to cross. The Lord did something supernatural. That, that's, why, that's why when we get the Holy Ghost, it's just such a, a supernatural, it's not us, it's not me, I'm not learning something, I, I know. And, and some people say, well, do you have to have it? No, but let I me mean, just tell you, you, you want to have it. You need it. You, you should have it. In this hour, we're facing so many spirits. You want the Holy Ghost to fight those spirits for you. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're, you know, it's like, you know, bringing a slingshot to a gunfight. Huh? I, I, you ask me, I'm going into a gun battle. You want a slingshot or a bazooka? Hands down, bazooka. Hands down to be able to call in the helicopters. Bam! To be able to launch a heavenly strike. Huh? I mean, that's what this whole thing about July 4th was. Look at, you know, don't mess with us. We got these things and these planes and this, you know. Ah, you may say, well, that was goofy and that. I get it. I'm not telling you. But he was saying, this is the mercy and grace of God that the Lord did this. It was about the faithfulness of the living God because the Lord had promised them, I'm going to bring you out of Egypt and I'm going to bring you into Canaan's land. So this was about God keeping his word. And I want to tell you, God is faithful. He will do what he said he will do. You can say, well, how come he hadn't done it the, like I wanted or when I wanted? I'm telling you, that doesn't change. God will do what he says he's going to do. To show the power of God so that all the people will know he's mighty. Why are you struggling with something and then finally God gives you the victory and you may struggle with it and why I feel like I'm not getting victory and then finally you get victory. Why is that? Because the Lord wants to prove to everybody else how powerful he is. That he can take somebody who is weak, who doesn't have the strength within themselves and he is able to do the miraculous. Deliverance of God to show you know, I don't know about you, but the river usually flows in the ground through the lowest part of the earth, right? I mean, the banks are usually higher than the river. Amen? Or you would have water flowing all over. And I know the river was at, mud, at flood stage, but the, here are these rocks that are in the lowest part that are in the middle of the river. There is no chance that those rocks will ever get out of the river and end up a few miles down the road. Isn't that amazing though? How God can take people at their lowest place. Underwater. And he can roll the water back. And he can all of a sudden have somebody lift them up. Carry them out. 
You say, there's no chance that rock would have ever been. And, and, I, and I've seen folks that say, there was no chance out of my family. You, and you look at my history, when you look at where I came from, when you look at what I went through, when you, there's no, it was only by the power and the might of Almighty God. And I know we're now looking at third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh generation apostolics. But you know what? God is still, when you trace it back far enough, you will see people that came out of the lowest place that ever would imagine and God lifted them up out of that riverbed and brought them out. What a privilege for the children and the grandchildren that have a heritage. But let me tell you, it didn't start that way. We started all the way back and you got to remember God did a miracle. He brought me out and most of us, even though we may have been raised in church, we have that same testimony. I was down as low as I could get and all of a sudden there was something that grabbed me and lifted me up and carried me to a place where I rolled away, where my sins rolled away. I'm so happy that my burdens rolled away. I feel excited that my burden, what are you saying? He brought me out of the muddy rivers of Jordan into the city of Gilgal where everything was rolled away. was a place of rest. Gilgal was a place of, and Caitlin talked about rest a few weeks ago, where they lodged. It was a place of separation where they were circumcised. You say, oh, well, that was terrible. But you know what? It's just what the Lord said was supposed to happen to all of us. Paul noted it in the New Testament in Colossians. The fourth, the second chapter, starting at verse 9, 15, that's what happened. You read in Joshua, the fifth chapter, where they go through. The first thing they did after they got to Gilgal was all the men were circumcised. Okay, how terrible. You know why? For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Paul was talking about Jesus. He said, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. There is not a power, there is not a spirit that you will face that God is not in control of. I know you may say, well, I don't understand why I'm having to struggle with it. I'm just telling you that God is still in control. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care what kind of fights you see. I, I, I've been, I, my mind has been blown. People that said there wasn't a problem at the border are now saying how terrible we are at the border. And it's just like you're, you're losing track of the fight. It's just anger. It doesn't matter. A lady soccer team is going to be playing and one of the women has taken it upon herself to tweet a response to Trump and to get mad. It's just like, why? Why fight all that? Why are we doing That's the spirit. But let me tell you, don't think for one moment that those spirits are running loose without the control of Almighty God. God is the head of every principality and power. He said, in whom you were circumcised with the circumcision not made, with, made without hands in putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. What is the circumcision of Christ? He goes on to tell you. Next verse, you don't have to figure it out. Buried with him 
who Christ Jesus in baptism you are risen with him through faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead and he, let me just show you. you you've read it before I know he said and you being dead in sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together from the depths of the water of Jordan River those 12 stones somebody would put it on their shoulder and bear our burdens and say Lord I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to carry you all the way to Gilgal where everything is rolled away <laughs> where everything is rolled away blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances which was against us and was contrary to us and took it out of the way nailing it to the cross having spoiled principality and powers and he made a show of them openly let's just stand you say I, I want my burdens rolled away. I want the ordinance. I want, I want, I'm fighting everything. I've got so much that's against me. I want you to know there's a memorial stone that God's able to take you from wherever you are and bring you to a place of rest and roll it all away. That's what the whole circumcision was about, was rolling it away. We, we give out a little certificate. You don't, you, you don't have it. You don't have to have it. But when you've passed through the waters of baptism, what you're saying is that's a memorial stone of one day the Lord brought me out. And you know why he brought me out? Because he wants to bring me in. And I want you to know there's not a spirit or a principality or a thing. Why, why, why do I honor God? Why do I feel like I want to do it? Because one day my sins were rolled away. One day I was taken from the middle of the waters all the way to the if you're here, I don't know if you're fighting something yourself. If your family is, I want you to come and I want you to remember what God did for you. And if God did it for you, he can do it for your children. He can do it for your grandchildren. He can do it for your husband, your wife. I'm telling you a God that is able.